Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, film geeks, today we're talking about The Lost King, the search for Richard III, the so-called phony king of England. Let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. Now, we had a bit of a break last week. We did have an episode last week. It was last Monday, what, the 13th? And that was the Oscars recap. But we did not have a film review last week. Why? I didn't see a movie on Thursday. This is like the weird part of the dump months, the dump months being January, February, March, where it kind of lulls for me. Um, A lot of the movies that come out around this time, I'm just not all that interested in. Uh, and all of this comes out of my pocket. So I have to be wise with where I spend my popcorn money because I have AMC A-list. I just pay 20 bucks a month. I see three movies a week. So I have to be very wise with where I spend my popcorn money. And I did get to see Shazam. I saw it Friday. Um, and we'll talk about that at some point. Um, I have a lot of questions, especially with the way Ant-Man performed at the box office. But, you know, that's getting off topic. And I was kind of wondering what I would get to see this week uh, because John Wick 4 is out, but I haven't seen 1, 2, and 3. I know, shameful, come at me. I really don't care. But I just haven't. But I had considered at one point just going to watch 4 because Bill Skarsgård is in it, and I like looking at him. You know, that's that's it. That's the tweet. That would be my justification for watching it out of order. But after reading the synopsis, it looks like I really do need to watch one, two, and three. It's not like, you know, Scream where you can watch them out of order or watch the very recent one, having never watched the first five, and you still kind of get a sense of what's going on, right? So I was left with very little options, which is kind of annoying. So I'm looking to see what I can watch, and I see a ticket for The Lost King, but I also know a good person is supposed to come out this week, and that's what I really wanted to see. But it's limited release, which means I have no idea when it's going to get to me, a good person starring Morgan Freeman and uh, Florence Pugh, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Probably not. But there were no tickets available for it. So I decided I'm going to get The Lost King. That was actually on my list of movies to see anyway. So... The Lost King. 
And I went back to AMC to see maybe if there's a movie I could watch maybe Friday or Saturday, because that seems to happen a lot where I watch a movie Thursday and I also watch another movie Friday. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there are tickets for a good person. So I inst- I exchanged the tickets. I got a good person for Thursday and I figured I'll, I'll just see um, The Lost King some other time. Well, I go to the movie theater, you know, ready to show my phone so the lady at the desk uh, can scan my QR code, but I'm at the wrong theater. I went to my regular spot and the theater is actually at Elmwood and Harahan. Well, because I wait until the very last minute to get to the theater because one, I've seen all the trailers and two, because I have a premiere, an A-list membership, I get through the popcorn line very quickly. So I I don't waste time. Um, There was no way I was going to be able to get to Elmwood within 20 you know, in the allotted time and not miss some of it. And I wasn't interested in missing any of it. So I just exchanged the tickets again. So I saw The Lost King last night and then I will actually be seeing a good person in a couple of hours, a little less than three. So the plan is to see a good person, come back home, record an episode and hopefully cross your fingers, hopefully get that to y'all by six. Again, cross your fingers. But let's talk about A Lost King. So the truth is, had I seen A Good Person first, I probably would not have gotten around to seeing this, even though it was kind of on my list of movies to see. But I'm so glad things turned out the way that they did, because, wow, this was such a beautiful film. So directed by Stephen Frears, this stars Sally Hawkins, Stephen Coogan, who also helped produce, Harry Lloyd, Mark Addy, James Fleet. This is about... Philippa Langley, played by Sally Hawkins, and the role she played in the discovery of the remains of King Richard III. Um, So this is what I came to understand about King Richard III, because I'd actually never heard of this particular dude until last night. Whenever I hear King Richard of any kind, I I immediately think of the Robin Hood, the cartoon version, because that's my favorite, and how he was hypnotized and sent on a crazy crusade, and then that song... Uh, right after the archery tournament, um, phony king of England. Like, so, so funny. And that's the first thing that pops into my head. Uh, the lion, King Richard. But King Richard III was clearly a real person. So this is what they know about the man, that he clearly died in battle in 1485. But no one was sure as to where his remains were. There were rumors or assumptions that his remains may have been thrown into a river and scattered. And there are people who believe that he was just buried somewhere. There was some documentation that his remains were collected and he was buried somewhere. It was just a matter of finding it. So Philippa Langley in this movie now, this is based on a true story, but I'm, I'm not sure what's true and what's not. Again, I've never heard of her or really King Richard III until this movie. So I can only judge what the movie's telling me. So what we know from this movie, and this is what it happened, is she takes her son Let's backtrack a little bit. So Philippa Langley is, according to the movie, she's 45-year-old divorcee who suffers from chronic fatigue syndrome. And that's very important because chronic illnesses, and anyone who has a chronic illness can tell you that it's really hard to get people to take you seriously. Not just, you know, regular everyday people, but even doctors. There are a lot of doctors when looking at chronic, chronic illness, chronic fatigue syndrome in particular, they don't even believe that they exist. So you know there's something wrong with you and there's no and no one believes you. 
But Philippa Langley is lucky in that apparently she does have a doctor who believes her and she's on medication to maintain it. However, there seems to be a bit of prejudice with respect to her and her illness. So 45-year-old divorcee suffering from a chronic illness, and we meet her when she's on her way to the office and she gets passed over for a promotion because one, apparently she's not young and fresh enough. The boss wants to give this younger generation an opportunity, despite the fact that she's been there for a long time. She's done good work. She's made deadlines. And also the doctor brings up her illness um, not doctor, but her boss brings up her illness and seemed to think that her illness affects her performance, but she disagrees, you know, dismissing her outright because sometimes she has to take days off because she's just so worn down and so worn out that she can't really function. And so we have this woman who there seems to be these, these misconceptions about who she is and how she functions, how she performs, what she's capable of and the good that she does. You know, that's her frustration is her boss clearly doesn't see the contributions she brings to the workplace. She feels like she does not matter. Well, then we get to a part where she takes her oldest son to see King Richard III, the Shakespeare play. And there's something about this performance that just kind of snatches her and she finds a bit of a kindred spirit in King Richard the third she connects with this character it's almost like she found something relatable to her own situation because you have this king in this play who is more fiction it seems than actual non-fiction because a lot of what we know about King Richard the third before this all happened, the discovery of his remains and all that, a lot of what we know came from Shakespeare and his kind of fictionalized version of who this man was, this man who apparently may have killed his nephews to ascend to the throne. I had to look up a word I'd never heard before, usurper. I think I've heard the word before, but I've never actually seen it in a sentence. And now I have, and I had to actually look it up. Uh, this man who may have had a hunchback, this man who was said to be, you know, ruthless and cruel. And she connects with that in a way these misconceptions about a man and there's no evidence for it and he's not alive to speak for himself and tell the truth she can relate to that she can relate to not being able to speak for yourself but in her case she's not dead she just doesn't feel like she's strong enough she just doesn't think that anyone would listen and there's something about bringing justice and truth to his name that gives her the courage to really just stand up for herself. And I think that's to me is just the beautiful part of this movie is the way we can sometimes connect to things that are just almost illogical. You know, we're talking about a dead King who is mostly fiction from what she'd been told up to this point, And she connects with that. She connects with it so strongly that it's almost personal for her. And she's determined to not just bring truth and justice back to his name, to not just tell the real story of King Richard III, but she wants to find his bones and she wants to give him a proper burial and she wants to restore him as a rightful, legitimate king of England. And it's parallel to her life in such an interesting way. Because she starts off very meek, very quiet, you know, easy to kind of walk over. And all of a sudden, she kind of develops this strength. As she learns to stand up for King Richard, she's learning how to stand up for herself. 
at different points in the film, she talks about, you know, her instincts, her feelings. She feels like this is the right move. Dib- digging up, a, I'm sorry, a car park. We're talking about, you know, Edinburgh, Scotland, over in the UK, where they call a parking lot a car park. That's just that's just a lot of uh, consonants. I don't know how I feel about it. It doesn't roll off the tongue very well. But then again, I'm American and we say parking lot. So she wants to dig up a car park because she's convinced that that's where he's buried because it's about an old kind of church and a choir. And it's something about that location. This is where an old uh, grave fire or a church may have been. And it was rumored or documented that this is where he may have been buried. And a man told her, hey, if you're looking for it, you got to look for an open space. And she finds it ironically under a slab of concrete marked with a letter R that is supposed to stand for reserved. I don't know. There was something relatable about watching her connect to something so nonsensical, especially living in a time where we're told that the only way people can connect with any kind of character or anything is if it's instantly superficially relatable. Is the person the same sex? Is the person the same color as you? Do you come from the same background? If these things don't check off, then how could you possibly connect or relate to this character? This man was a king. He was royalty. He was possibly disabled in some way, which she had in common. You know, everyone says this man had a hunchback and she has chronic fatigue syndrome, something that she gets made fun of for and something that he gets made fun of for long after he's dead. You know, and he's a man. What could she possibly find relatable about that? But she did. She found a kindred spirit in Richard III in the misconception. Not being taken seriously. Not seen for the good that's in you and the good that you do. It's almost in a way, if I can prove that this man was good, if I can show the world the truth, then maybe they'll see me for who I am and what I bring to the table. They'll be able to see that, you know what, in spite of whatever limitations I may have, whatever holds me back, nothing holds me back. Nothing keeps me from doing good work. Nothing keeps me from being the absolute best, from doing everything that I am capable of. I don't know. It's just a beautiful, almost a late coming of age story. You know, normally we see coming of age stories around, you know, pubescence. So kids, you know, going from like elementary to middle school, you know, that puberty age where it's just awkward and coming into themselves. And we really see this woman, this divorcee, mother of two, struggling with a chronic illness, working a, you know, a a job where she's clearly not appreciated, really come into herself and see the fullness of her own strength. Through a dead man. A complete stranger. Someone she's not even related to. Not even through any kind of lineage. This film is ultimately one about justice. Truth. The process of finding the truth. Because a lot of people seem to think that justice is an outcome. No, justice is a process. And this is about the process of not just unearthing the truth, but displaying it for the world to see. Because she doesn't just stop fighting when his bones are found. She keeps fighting until his name is restored. Until the whole world knows he is a legitimate king of England. No, he did not murder his nephews to gain the throne. No, he wasn't just a hunchback. He just had scoliosis, a curvature of the spine. 
Justice is getting to the pro- the process of restoring this man's name and the steps that were taken to get there. And in the process, restoring her own name and her own reputation and restoring her own strength. I, I don't know. I just thought this was absolutely beautiful and relatable in a way. And I think it's just such a good display that Things don't have to be superficial in order for you to connect with this. Sometimes it's a little bit deeper than that. That kind of draws you in and makes you feel like, you know what? I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. Now, whether or not this movie is quality is a completely separate question than what is this about? What is the context? Did I enjoy it? Now, as far as quality, I thought this was just a very beautiful, well done film. British films are just. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Built different. Um, when I say British films, I don't mean like Harry Potter, where there's clear collaboration between American and British studios. 
and you know they feature a mostly UK cast. I, I'm talking about British films built by British studios that might be distributed by American companies because obviously you you're going to need an American distribution company to distribute in the states. It's not like it's an requirement, but it's obviously helpful. I'm talking about you were produced by British studios, by that British film industry, so much so that it's a wonder some British films don't get nominated for Best International Feature. This was very much a British film. British, Like I said, British films are just built different. From what I've noticed, they tend to be just a little bit brighter, um, not so dreary, which I think is kind of an, a contrast to what so much of that that country looks like not looks like that's not what I'm thinking I think just the the perspective a lot of Americans have of that part of Europe um London uh England Scotland Ireland the American perspective of that country tends to be darker and a bit drearier, which might be true to real life. I don't know. I've never actually been to that part of Europe. The only European country I've ever been to, apparently, was Germany uh, when I was a baby and my dad was stationed there. So I don't remember it. There are pics, there's photographic evidence, but that's about it. Uh, but the American spe- perspective has kind of a Dickensian look to it. Not that there's this negative connotation associated with the, those countries, but there's something about the unique beauty of that part of the world, the beautiful, lush English countryside and, you know, the Scottish castles, the Scottish greenery that in American cinema tends to have a very overcast look. Um, it's just it's there's something about it that gives it an extra little contrast that brings out that green and brings out the stone. It's just different. But then when you have a film that's set over there, it looks like it. It's all of that. It tends to be a bit brighter. And I don't know if that's kind of to offset the American view or even because it's a little more overcast. It rains a lot over there, kind of like our Seattle or some Pacific Northwest that the the overcast is just true, that they really want to display just how bright and beautiful this place is, more so to match the the character and the mood. Does that make sense? But that's just something I've noticed with British films is they tend to be a bit brighter as opposed to the way that part of the world is portrayed by American cinema. They're both beautiful. It's all about displaying the beauty, but there's something about the contrast, the, the, the slight darkness, and then the bright green that Americans are just obsessed with. Whereas the British, when they film their landscape, it's like, we want you to see everything in the bright, beautiful glory. Here it is. And it's lovely. Uh, so this was beautifully shot. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I don't, I, it makes me wonder, though, if when you live over there and you see stuff like that all the time, it's your normal. It makes me wonder how you perceive it when you see it on screen. Now, a movie that came out this past summer, um, Where the Crawdads Sing, uh, takes place in North Carolina, coastal North Carolina. But it was filmed, you know, basically in my backyard. So in the marsh and swamp of Louisiana, South Louisiana, parts of it were filmed in New Orleans. And I don't know, I've only been here for a little over three years. So just to see that landscape captured that way to me, it's just gorgeous and it's stunning and it makes me appreciate it that much more. I'm wondering if for people when they see in the UK, you know, England, Scotland, Ireland, and all that jazz, when they see all of the glory of where they live 
do they feel a sense of appreciation? I don't know. It has nothing to do with anything, but I am very curious. So if you are from the UK and you are listening to this, and I just want to know, when you see your landscape on screen, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about it? Because I know when I see some of the most beautiful parts of America on screen, it fills me with a sense of pride. I'm just curious what that looks like from a different perspective. But the film is beautifully shot. And again, I think that has a lot more to do with me being an American and that place being so foreign and the way it's captured is just beautiful. It's the best of it. And it's it never gets old. It never gets old. And then you go into the acting. Sally Hawkins is just wonderful in this. She does such a good job. I think that her character is just so well written. It's a very definitive character arc. Again, this is kind of like a late stage coming of age because we watch this woman start from this kind of lowly and meek place who really doesn't know her own strength come to find that strength. This very strong character arc and she gets to this peak and then she hits that peak and all of a sudden she's kind of back to where she started. She's back to having to prove her legitimacy. She's back to having to fight for the legitimacy of this lost king and we kind of see that downward slope where she still maintains that strength but she doesn't have to fight for it anymore okay it's hers and she owns it and no one can take it from her and now she's able to take that strength and share it and display it that's kind of this this the the ride that this movie takes the character is just so well written she's such an incredible actress and she did such a great job. You had supporting in Steve Coogan, who helped to produce this, who plays her ex-husband. I didn't like him for um, a good chunk of the movie. Not so much his acting, but just the character. Like, I really didn't like him. Loved her. Loved everything about her. And I loved everything she loved. Her obsession with King Richard III became my obsession. She really has a knack for kind of bringing you in and making you kind of feel what she's feeling. And her kind of mixed feelings about her ex-husband, I, I, I felt that as well. But as she started to grow more fond of him and started to love him again, I, I started to give him a break. You have, uh, I believe, Andy Mack, who, let me make sure I'm getting this man's name right. Bless his heart. It's Mark Addy. I was close. Who's Andy Mack? Oh, that's a Disney Channel show. My bad. Mark Addy, who plays Richard Buckley, who is an archaeologist for a university, and she enlists his help though, so that she can dig where she's pretty sure he is located, where his body is. And he's a bit of a shady, snaky character who finds a little bit of redemption at the end. It's just, it's, it's classic, classic cinema storytelling. Um, just the basics. You know, your protagonist who is goes through the familiar character arc, you have kind of an antagonist in all these forces that are kind of pushing against her, even in people who are close to her, who have an antagonistic, antagonistic value to them until they kind of find their own little bit of redemption and, you know, fellow sidekicks and characters, people that kind of help to move the plot along and push her forward. So very just classic, good cinema, 
good on-screen fun. You don't see that anymore. Everyone's trying to be different. I don't know if you go on TikTok or not, but there's a lady who, you know, kind of, I'd say, air quotes, reviews some of the worst cooking videos. And she always says, everybody's so creative. That's kind of where cinema is right now. Everybody's so creative. Everybody's trying to do something extra and different. And sometimes what you want is just classic, classic cinema. And I think that's why Top Gun Maverick did so well. It's classic cinema. It's just, it's, 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 little, it's just classic cinema. Straightforward. And I think that's something to appreciate here. But yeah, it's well written. It's well shot. Very well acted. Um, you have Harry Lloyd, who is kind of playing three different characters in a way. He plays a guy named Pete. We don't really learn his name until the very end. Pete plays King Richard III in the play that she sees at the beginning of the film. And then, so he's playing Pete. He's playing Pete playing King Richard III. And then he becomes sort of an, appar- an apparition. Someone that we kind of see to represent King Richard III throughout the film. Um, almost like a comrade for her a confidant you know the people closest to her think she's crazy think she's lost her mind think she needs help think she needs to slow down and the the little bit of motivation you know is in seeing kind of this apparition of king richard the third but i think he's supposed to represent her motivation a, a quick reminder as to why she's doing this because it's, Instead of letting him become this idea, this kind of symbol, she is reminded time and time again that she is fighting for a person, even though he's no longer with us. So that's always tricky. You know, you saw that in Everything Everywhere All at Once with Michelle Yao, how she had to kind of play all these little different characters throughout the film. And I think that's what got her the Oscar. But we're seeing that slightly on a smaller scale with... Uh, Harry Lloyd playing Pete, then playing Pete playing Richard III, and then him being kind of a Richard III from her perspective, someone of royalty and grandeur in his, you know, royal frock as he, as she sees him, not as the world sees him, because the world sees this, you know, this takes place in 2012, but the world sees King Richard III as this illegitimate bastard for, for, you know, word's sake. And she sees him as this legitimate king, this man who deserves his crown, who deserves his noble steed, who deserves his coat of arms. That's how she sees him. And that's how she continues to see this apparition. I thought that was very interesting how she keeps the prize in mind. She always keeps what she's fighting for at the forefront and she doesn't waver. So hats off to Mr. Harry Lloyd. But yeah, I thought this was just a solidly beautiful film. Simple classic cinema. Definitely worth the ticket. Thank you once again for listening to me rant and rave a little bit about my latest movie, Conquest. So just to sum it all up, The Lost King I thought was simple, classic cinema structure beautifully shot beautifully acted beautiful story about justice and truth and finding finding strength in oneself i'd even call it like a late stage coming of age film i think perfectly relatable for people around my age i'm 35 
So yeah, totally worth a ticket. I think it's a good, if you're not interested in, you know, the kind of the rush of the John Wicks and the Shazams and the Scream, I think this is a good kind of easy going movie for you. So highly recommend. So what's coming up again, the goal is to get an episode for a good person out to y'all by 6 PM. Cross your, cross your fingers, cross your fingers. I can make it happen. Um, because recording this episode, as much as I love, it can be very, very time consuming, but it is what it is. So what else is coming up? So we're almost out of March y'all. So aside from a good person, which I'm seeing tonight or in a couple of hours, two hours, actually, I actually need to fix myself breakfast. So I I purposely did not feed myself after I got home from the gym because I knew that once I sat down, I wasn't going to get back up and this would never get done. So that's what's got to happen. But coming up in the next couple of weeks, Dungeons and Dragons, I just got my ticket for it. I'm seeing a movie called A Thousand and One. Also next Friday stars Tiana Taylor, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And then we get into April. So what's coming out in April? A couple of movies, I'm not sure, but Super Mario Brothers, um, paint with owen wilson i kind of want to see it looks like it's a rob i don't even remember the man's name the man with the afro who used to paint things and he sounded like really really sweet like he was happy all the time i just forgot his name that's terrible but it just happened so renfield with nicholas cage and nicholas holt uh the pope's exorcist which i think saw, saw uh, stars russell crowe i've never really seen him in horror not that i can remember so, and I haven't seen Russell Crowe on the screen in a long time. Uh, Sweetwater, a basketball movie, The Covenant with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I also love him in any kind of army related role because he just looks good in uniform. So I can't wait to see that one. Big George Foreman also coming out. Um, A lot of Christian movies this year. Uh, It's interesting to see and then are you there god it's me margaret i am so looking forward to that i read that when i was little and i really want to reread it because i don't quite remember everything that happens but i'm really excited to see that at the end of april now there are some limited releases that i am looking out for uh Beautiful Disaster is a limited release. I actually got my ticket and that was not included in my AMC A-list um, benefits. That d- ticket was $15. I'm a little perturbed. I'm spoiled and a little bougie. It is what it is. So that is the week of April 14th. So I'm seeing that April the 13th on a Thursday. What else? Mafia Mama with Tony Collette. That looks so ridiculously goofy. I'm very excited. Chevalier about the uh, kind of the Marie Antoinette era violinist black man. I played the violin uh, growing up. So I'm really excited about seeing that one. Bo is Afraid, I believe, is Joaquin Phoenix. It's also a limited release in April. So April is going to be such a busy month leading up until the summer season, which starts Memorial Day weekend in May. And I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, uh, The Little Mermaid will be opening the summer season. And I'm still not sure if I really want to see it. I haven't really been interested in seeing any of the Disney remakes, uh, the lazy representation. It kind of gets on my nerves. I said what I said. You want me to expand on that? Let me know. I have no problem. So that's what's coming up. We just talked about The Last King. Cross your fingers for a 6 p.m. episode of A Good Person. And I will see you hopefully in a couple of hours.
Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode.